Hi, I'm Annie Miller. I'm a certified personal trainer and transformational macro coach. This is a podcast for those who are interested in improving their health and fitness. And what I've learned along the way is that sometimes that means you'll have to rethink what you thought you knew. This is the Rethinking Fitness with Annie podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is a conversation with Ashley Hubbard. Ashley is the founder of A Hub Nutrition and the Wellness Diaries podcast. And we really just kept things pretty conversational in this podcast episode, which was our intention. Um, and we talked about we talked about goal setting um, and how to approach that process for the new year, or really just any time um, managing food, navigating holiday experiences, and a lot just about our identity and mindset when it comes to fitness and nutrition. It was just a great conversation. It really is just the raw, unedited conversation that we had. Um, So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I would love to know what you think. I have all of Ashley's links in the show notes so you guys can follow her and listen to her podcast. And thanks so much for listening. Hey everybody, I am here with Ashley today. We're just going to kind of do a dual episode. We're both just going to kind of talk and interview each other and we'll just kind of see how the conversation goes. Yeah, so my podcast is called The Wellness Diaries and my name is Ashley Hubbard. Um, Tell everyone what your, I know we're posting this on our podcast, but if someone's listening on mine, they'll know what yours is called. So tell, tell everyone what yours is called. Yeah, so mine is Rethinking Fitness with Annie, um, except for that I'm a little weird, and Annie is actually spelled A-N-N-E and not A-N-N-I-E, so um, yeah, that gets a little confusing sometimes, but. Well, I mean, I'm I'm kind of used to that, too, because my name is spelled not with E-Y, it's L-E-I-G-H, so yeah, we're yeah. <laughs> in the same boat with our, na- our weird name spelling. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think the game plan for this is we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, a few things, but mostly we're going to touch on new year's, uh, resolutions, new year's goals, how to set goals, like what's a good or not great way to set goals. And then just some other, you know, miscellaneous nutrition, body image mindset topics, because Everything is so interwoven, especially the mindset piece. So um, you'll learn a little bit about us both, and then we'll talk a little bit on those topics. Yeah. So Annie, uh, tell everyone just kind of how you got started, what prompted it, and just, um, yeah, the whole backstory. Yeah. So my backstory is that for years, I wanted to be a personal trainer, but I just had this like belief, this thought that like, I got to look like one first, right? I have to like have this certain physique in order to be able to be a personal trainer. And so I put it off for a really, really long time and I just never took action on it. Um, until finally it was fall of 2021. I joined, um, Biceps After Babies Macros Coaching Academy and did my macro certification through Amber Breeze, the key. And then, um, and then I was still like, okay, but like, I gotta have more, you know? And so then I got my personal training certification through NASA. So I really just started last year. I got my certification last year. I really finally just got started. Um, it took me way, way, way too long, but I'm here and I'm making it happen. So I love that. Yeah. I, I think we can kind of relate to that to people that are scared to just go to the gym in general. Like they they think they have to look a certain way um, and, you know, you know, be a certain way. And they think that everyone's judging them and looking at them. But the reality is like everyone starts somewhere and you don't just immediately go into a scenario knowing absolutely everything. There's always more to learn. There's more progress that can be made. I mean, even like no matter how long I've been a coach or how long I will be a, be a coach, I'm sure I will still just think about like, oh, there's still so much to learn. There's always new research coming out. There's always, there's always going to be like more things to learn and to catch up on. Um, and like, we can be content with where we're at and where we started from also. And then also knowing that there is more. So like, yes, I'm new. Yes, I am just starting. I might not look like, or feel like other trainers or coaches or whatever. And there's also so much more to learn and I can make so much more progress versus just like, it doesn't have to be one or the other, you know? Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. It's interesting because I realized that I had very all or nothing thinking about it. It was like, I can either, you know, be a coach and look like a coach or I can do nothing. And it was like, yeah, there was actually something in between. And what the heck does a coach even look like anyway? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, there's all different types of coaches and, um, and so, yeah, I think, so for me, when I got into it, it kind of, it kind of happened a little bit by accident. So I hired a coach to help me with my nutrition in 20 end of 2014, because I needed to make weight for an Olympic weightlifting meet in order to qualify for junior nationals. And so that kind of got me into the world. I, I had tracked macros before, but never with a coach. And so that kind of pushed me into the the realm of like, macro coaching and just like having a coach guide me through it. Um, and like, I made a ton of progress. Like I responded super well, like I really enjoyed the process. And what ended up happening was, is that like, because I made so much progress and because, um, people were noticing, like I was getting a lot of questions, like, what am I doing? How did you do it? Blah, blah, blah. And eventually I was just like, you know, I kind of like I kind of liked the experience myself. I kind of love, cause I was, you know, I wanted to be in the fitness industry in some way anyway, with my career and whatever. Um, and so I was like, you know, I really do enjoy helping people. Like I, I, I really did find enjoyment in helping people and telling them about how I did it and how, and how they could do it too. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to start coaching people like, and actually taking money for it. And so that's kind of how it was born in 2015. I was like, I'm going to start taking clients and see where it goes. And then now we're here. And so like, even, even still to this day, like I, I love learning. And, and, and so I, I put myself in situations where I learn more. I I invest in coaches and, and courses and certifications. And the more I learn, the more I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And yeah, I mean, for sure. <laughs> yeah, like, I do know what I'm doing, but I'm always like, God, there's literally just so much to learn. And, um, I, I've just finished, um, a level two certification for the health mindset, uh, certification course through her name is Dr. Casey Orvitas. I think is how you say okay. it. Okay. Yeah. So I, to you and to any coach out there that course level one and level two, is like the best investment I've ever made for, for my coaching because of the mindset information that we get to learn. I actually pulled up one of the notes from the level one about goal setting, because I knew we were going to start talking about goal setting in this episode. And I wanted to be able to give, I have it pulled up just so I can like refer off of it. But, um, there's such great information about that stuff. And also it really points out a lot of the things that are incorrect with how most of us tend to think and just mindset related things about motivation and goal setting and all or nothing mindset. Um, it was amazing. So any coach listening to this highly recommend that course, it will level up your coaching abilities so much, but, but yeah, like I was saying, the more you learn, like, it's just like the more, you know, there is out there and, um, And if you're not feeling that way as a coach, if you don't feel that imposter syndrome a lot of the time or any time, like maybe that's a red flag. (laughs) Maybe you should do some more learning and um, because it is so important to just continually evolve like that. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've kind of realized is that, you know, there's new science and new information all the time about weight training, especially when we're talking about women, right? Because women in fitness has not been studied for very long. They've just been kind of like, well, if it works for men, it'll work for women. And that's actually not true, you know? And so it's kind of cool to realize there is so much more coming still. Um, and just to to be willing to be open to exploring like what else, what else do I need to know about this topic? I mean, there's, you know, the whole world of like women and hormones and different times of your cycle and the different types of exercises that you should be doing different during different phases. And, you know, just totally different ways of looking at things that I was like kind of mind blown by as I started learning about it. So yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. And there's, and there's so many things too, that I've, changed my mind on over the years, or just like, I have a new perspective with it now. Like, and this is something that I'm, 
learned from the the certification that I was doing. Um, you know, like how people will say discipline over motivation and, and stuff like that. And after going through that course, like, I don't say that anymore because there are ways there there's like, I understand the concept of that statement and I've said it plenty of times before, but, um, there's different ways to go about it where it's like, okay, well let's figure out first of all, like why this person isn't motivated And one of the, one of the strategies that I learned in the course is just like, you know, asking your client when the last time they felt motivated was and, or looking at other places in their life where they're motivated. Like you might be really, really highly motivated in your schoolwork and in your job, but you're not when it comes to nutrition and fitness. So it's like, what are those barriers there that we can, um, reduce or, completely take away that will make it easier to be motivated because there's always going to be a reason why someone's not motivated. It's not just like it's either discipline or motivation. Um, so like, I think for, I think for people that have always been really involved in fitness and have never really struggled with it, it's easier to say discipline over motivation. Like that's how I got in the gym, but there's so many layers to it that you can uncover. And most people that we're working with need that type of coaching versus like, I mean, I would venture to say that most people that want to hire a coach aren't the people that are just always highly motivated all the time, just intrinsically. So that's why it's good. And again, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep promoting that course till the day I die, because it is such a good, a good course to help people, um, make changes that actually, you know, stick. So, yeah, I always tell my clients it's, like the motivation is a feeling, you know? So you, yeah, you look for those other areas in your life to where you've been motivated or a time you've been motivated in the past, but like realizing it's a feeling it's going to come and go. Um, but momentum, that's the thing that keeps you going. And so like, how do you create momentum? And it's just by little actions. I think part of the problem is again, it kind of goes back to the all or nothing thinking. People think like, well, I have to go to the gym for an hour or like, it doesn't even matter or two hours or, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, you can literally just get started by going for a walk out your front door for 10 minutes. If that's what you have in your day, like start building that habit that, Hey, I've got 10 minutes. I'm going to go for a walk and start there and, and then build onto those habits. Yeah. It is interesting too, because, you know, like how I was saying where, you might be motivated in certain areas versus not in other areas. And I think the same goes too for all or nothing thinking. Like I think people are, they tend to be like, if if we're looking at everything in someone's life, all or nothing thinking tends to happen mostly with fitness and nutrition. And I, I was listening to a podcast where the guy was talking about it and I don't remember why he said he thought that was the case, but it is interesting to think about, like, you know, I'm sure you've heard the analogy, like, oh, if you one of your tires pops, do you pop the rest of them? Or like, do you just, if, if one of the eggs in your carton is broken, do you just smash the rest of them to like, make it to where you're just, you don't have any eggs, but for some reason with fitness and nutrition, we tend to do that. And, um, you know, it could be a fear of failure thing. It could be like that. It's just easier to think that way because you don't have to like, think about that flexibility in the middle ground. Like you were saying, if you have time just for a 10 minute walk around, around the block, like let that be what you can do. But people are more so rigid with, with those things versus allowing themselves to be, to be flexible. And, um, another thing too, is just their expectations. Like, People, people want to go from like working out none to trying to go four to five times a week. And that is just so unrealistic when you're not used to doing that. And, you know, I don't know if it's like they're comparing themselves to someone else they know that works out that much, or just like thinking that because they did it 10 years ago that they can do it again. Um, But just like being more understanding of like where you're at in this current season of life and making the choices based around that with what you know you can do, you know, that goes a long way. And and the more that you can actually do those things over and over again, you're building confidence. What makes you not build confidence is constantly just like overestimating what you're capable of and then failing at it every single yeah. time. 
quitting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you're just like, no, I'm a quitter. Like that's what I've proved to myself is that I start and stop and start and stop. And it's like, yeah, because you're like trying to make way too big of jumps all at once. And, and, you know, just like creating that confidence in one area, like, you know, the whole, um, throw someone into a pool to teach them how to swim analogy, you know, it's like, that's not actually, I mean, you might learn how to swim that way, but it'd be much better to like ease yourself in, in some shallower water and like get used to feeling the water around you. Cause right. you, you might swim or you might die if you just yeah, throw like, yourself into yeah. the deep end. <laughs> one, one step at a time. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, so I guess now we can transition a little bit into, you know, some goal setting conversation and just new year's situations, holiday, nutrition stuff. I think that all kind of is very inter interwoven. So, um, what do you have in mind for, for just new year goals in general? What do you think that most people, um, tend to do when they think about hitting, uh, new year's goals or setting new year's goals? Um, what do you find that is flawed in most people's thinking with it? Well, I'll just tell you what I used to do and why, like, it was a flaw. Okay. So it was like, you know, let's have this family meeting or whatever at the end of the year, you know, it's New Year's Eve or whatever, January 1st. And you sit down and you think about like, what do you want to change this year in every aspect of life? And you write down all these goals. And so, you know, it's January 1st and you're like, yeah, this is going to be my year and I'm going to exercise every day and I'm going to lose 20 pounds and I'm going to you know, get the job that I wanted and whatever it is. And by January 15th, you're like, ah, crap, I, I've missed seven workouts and my nutrition is crap. And I don't think I'm going to get that job. And so you just give up. And so it's like starting out too big again, um, making plans that are for one thing, I think um, I never made specific goals. I didn't really understand the concept of like a specific goals because I had kind of always heard this, like your goals should push you, your goals should challenge you. And I think that that's true, but I think there's a difference between a goal that pushes you and like doing all the things, you know, setting goals in so many areas where it just kind of feels like, okay, now what? And so I then I kind of went from, setting all the goals and never really achieving them to going through a period of time where I would, I just, I was like, I don't don't do this whole new year's resolution thing. I don't set goals. I, you know, and just kind of like fell back into that all or nothing thinking again, where it was like, either I'm setting all the goals or I'm setting no goals. And so now, um, you know, that concept of the smart goals, like have it be specific, have it be measurable, have it be achievable, have there be a time for it, you know? Um, and, and then I just checking in with yourself along the way, I think is really, really important as well. Yeah. But you. Yeah. So, um, you mean like, what do I see the flaws, the flaws in people's goal setting? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So kind of what you said, like, I think, I think the thing I see mostly is just, they get this excitement and they start being a little overzealous with what they think they can accomplish. But I also think that people just don't know how to set goals. I don't think they know how to set goals that um, make sense. And most people set just outcome goals and they, they're named like lose 20 pounds. Like, okay, what does that mean? Like, how do you get there? Right. Um, and so I'm going to pull some things from what we learned in the health mindset certification now, because this is going to help so many people, um, as they go into the new year, like actually structure their goals properly. So when it comes to goal setting, um, we really need to think about like, what is motive, like what's our motivations. And then also like our identity, how we think about ourselves, how we view ourselves, what we say about ourselves. And so when it comes to different motivations, there's extrinsic motivation, And then there's intrinsic. So with extrinsic, you know, generally that's going to be like a physical goal. Like they want to lose weight. They want to build muscle. They have a performance goal. All of that is like extrinsic, uh, extrinsically motivated with intrinsic, um, things like that. That's where we're going to use like how we view ourselves and our identity and values. And that's going to guide our behavior and our motivations. So for example, if you identify as a healthy person that likes to work out four to five times a week, 
that will help with your behavior change and with what your habits look like. Whereas if you say, oh, I'm just someone or like, I am someone that hates going to the gym and I emotionally eat and I don't like to get lots of sleep. If you say that a lot, like you're gonna, like, it's going to be like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're gonna, you're going to start making choices that align with that, um, identity. And so, and so that's why it's important too to like, watch what you say about yourself and watch how you, um, describe yourself because all of that is super, super important. And so just some ways that you can understand what your intrinsic motivations are and your, and, and most people know like what their extrinsic ones are as well. Um, you can, um, you know, ask someone like what their values are and then tie it into something that will help them. Um, and then just using that to guide whatever your, whatever your goals are. So for example, if, if your values are that you, you really, you value being social and you value also feeling good in your body. Um, let's say you're at a holiday dinner and you are, you know, you're feeling a little bit stressed about the the food situation, but you're like, you know, I'm someone that values being social with these people, but I also value feeling good. And if you just like, think about it and say it in your head, like, will you go to the extremes of like overeating at this social event? Like maybe not because you want to feel good, you know, and overeating and things like that don't feel very good. Um, and so that's why it's good to just like make decisions based on your values, because sometimes, sometimes you might have another value, another value that changes how you eat. Like if you also value connecting with people over some sort of food, you might choose to eat that versus if you had the value that you, I don't know, were trying to stay away from highly processed foods. I don't know. But it, but it really does help you figure out what decisions to make because you're connecting it with something intrinsically versus just thinking like, I want to lose weight. Okay. But like, we need to dig a little bit deeper than that. Um, And then also you mentioned smart goals. So one of the things that we talked about in this um, certification was smart goals and like how some of some of the acronym for SMART goals is good, but some can be better. Yeah. And so this was the framework that she wrote in the, the certification. She called it SMARTER goals. And um, so the big, the big five words that she uses with SMARTER goals is number, the first one is additive. So focusing on what's being added and improved, not what's being taken away or the restraint or self-control required. Um, And then rewarding is the second one. So thinking about like intrinsic motivation, personal meaning, valuable, like what are those things that will make us feel rewarded? Timely might have a timeline, might not. There might be some momentary restriction, but it depends on the client. Efficacy, which is kind of just like building that like personal, um, you know, confidence in what you're doing, that self-efficacy. So it's built for long-term success where they are able to do this on their own confidently and then relative. So keeping in mind where you're at now and where you want to go, which is can all, is also called mental contrasting, um, where you're just like visualizing like the steps that you take to get to that goal versus just like visualizing the goal itself, like actually visualizing step-by-step, like how you're going to get there. Research shows that's way better than just like only visualizing it. Um, I know that was like a total word vomit, but when it comes to goal setting, this can like make or break how you feel about yourself. Because like we talked about with all or nothing, you know, if you're setting yourself up for something that's unrealistic, you're not going to feel great about yourself if you don't achieve that. And so having, having goals, understanding what the goal is and why that's your goal, um, can just help you so much with actually achieving it. And then also, um, my tip is like, just don't have so many at once. (laughs) And then also celebrating, celebrating like the small wins along the way of that too. Because if your goal is to lose 
50 pounds um, and you're not celebrating the small wins along the way, you're going to be, you know, feeling miserable the whole time if you're just only searching for that end result. Yeah, for sure. I think that's one of the tricky things about weight loss in general is that like so many people have this scale number in their head. Like I will be happy when I reach X number on the scale, Mm -hmm. you know, and that number, it's so funny because it's so different for everyone. Right. Which is like the proof that like we've associated our own meaning and belief about what that number on the scale means. But it's so interesting because, you know, you talk to one client and I'll just throw some numbers out. um, But, you know, they're like, my goal is to reach 150 pounds. And I would be so happy if I reached 150 pounds. And the other client is like, I can't believe I weigh 150 pounds. I'm like so embarrassed that I weigh 150 pounds, you know? And so again, it's like what we're making that scale number mean and just kind of being able to pull back the curtains a little bit and dive into like what it is you think that number means. And then when we're talking about like the goal setting with it, like noticing those celebrations along the way, like the small milestones, maybe it's different, you know, like the non-scale victory types of things, like maybe your clothes are feeling better. Or I think a huge thing is that I'm like, what's your relationship with food like now, you know, and noticing those types of things instead of just like, I'm not going to be happy until I reach that end weight, whatever it was. And The tricky thing about that is, is that if we're not celebrating things along the way, when you reach that end goal, most of the time you get there and you're like, you're still not happy. It's still like now what, (laughs) right? Because you weren't ever giving yourself any credit for the things that you were doing. You weren't noticing I'm building new habits. I'm becoming this healthier person as I'm making these changes and as I'm losing weight or whatever it is, it's just about the end weight that outcome instead of that process that it's taking to get you there. Right. Yeah. And also too, like how many times have you heard someone say they hit their goal weight and they realized they weren't happy with it? Like they just wanted more. Like we're always looking for more and more and more. And if you can get to the root of it, like, what do you, like you said, what do you, what do you think that number is going to make you feel like, like, what are you searching for? Most people are just like, they want to be more confident. They want to feel like they can wear things and feel good in in their clothes. And they want to, you know, not compare themselves. They want to, they like most of it's confidence related. Maybe it's like when they sit down, they don't want to feel like their stomach is going over their pants. Like, I don't know. It could be any feeling, anything related to that, but a scale number, that's the thing. A scale number does not give you that. A scale number will not give you confidence. And I've experienced this personally. I'm sure most people have experienced this, like whatever you're searching for, you will not find it only in that scale number. Like you have to really dig deep into what it is that you're looking for. Because if you, if you can know what that is, there's other ways that you can achieve that alongside your fat loss goals. And then, you know, maybe your fat loss goals even will shift if you actually uncover like why it is that you're sort like you're do- trying to do that in the first place. Um, I just had a client recently, she was in a cut and um, she, she had been through a cut with me before postpartum and she had crazy progress. She lost like 40 pounds, had a huge physical transformation. She was crushing it. She was so consistent, you know, like perfect client ever, you know, on paper. And, um, and so this time around, for some reason, she just felt like it was harder. She could not stick to things. Like she felt like one day would turn into four days of just like being off track, quote unquote. Um, and she just didn't know why, like, she was just questioning, like, I don't know why it's so hard for me this time around. Like, I I don't feel like I'm deprived of my calories or anything like that. It's just that she's been feeling so low motivation to do it. And I was like, well, um, I was like, well, what about the last time that you felt motivated during the last cut? Like, what do you feel like was different? And we came to the conclusion that she was seeing a lot of positive reinforcement, lots of physical changes the last time because she was making so much progress and having such great physical results with it. And at this point now with where she's at in her body, like she's actually very content. Like she's told me this, like she feels really comfortable with where she's at. She doesn't feel like it takes much to maintain it. Um, Like she just feels good in general. And so I was like, so I was like, well, maybe that's it. Like, 
like, do you even want to lose weight right now? Like, is that even a goal of yours right now? Or, or were you just trying to do it because, you know, you felt like you should. And she was like, actually, like, no, like maybe, maybe we should just go into maintenance at least for the rest of the year and, and see what happens. And like, lo and behold, she is back to her consistent self again. She said that she felt like a huge weight was lifted off of her shoulders. And you know why? It's because we found out what she really wanted and what she really wanted to feel like. We aligned what, what that next step was with her nutrition to that. And now she's feeling so great. And she's like, oh my goodness. And 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 now it's like not even hard for her to stay to stay within her her numbers and um and she's just feeling so much better. So it's it's weird how just the mindset shift can cause someone from going to not able to stay consistent, constantly wanting to like like she was constantly wanting dessert type foods like all the time. And not that those things are bad, but like she that was just her her, she noticed that was an increased, uh, craving for her. And a lot of times she would kind of give into that to a point where she didn't like it. Like she didn't like how she felt. And now it's like, she doesn't even crave that as much or have the desire to eat to a point where she feels sick anymore. And it just, again, it just shows so much how important it is to really understand why you're doing something that you're doing, because if it's on, if it's not aligned, um, then it's going to be weird and it's going to feel harder. Like it felt so hard for her when things were unaligned. And now that they are, um, you know, she feels like it's just seamless. So, and she's like sabotaging without realizing it because it wasn't aligned. Right. And I also think like, it just speaks to so much about what we, I think, especially as women think, for whatever reason, you always have to be in a cut. You always have to be dieting. You can't be content with where you're at. And so I think sometimes just like giving yourself, giving other people the permission, like it's actually okay and a fantastic thing for you to just eat at maintenance, to live life at maintenance and not worry about being smaller all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, and I I think another reason people, they might look at maintenance as not something that is fun to be in or it's like because there is no like crazy change with like your physical body I think it's very hard sometimes for people to think that maintenance is a goal they should shoot for yeah Um, it's always like what's next what's next but like maintenance forces you to kind of be content in the in the you know just maintaining what you've done so far and giving your body time to eat enough for a while and Like, I don't like whenever I ask clients, I'm like, when have you ever actually just been at maintenance calories? Like, has there ever been a time in your life where you haven't been trying to lose weight or where you haven't trying to like change something about yourself? Like most people say no. And maintenance is such a great goal because what's the one thing that most Americans struggle with keeping weight off and maintenance is the perfect opportunity to really just focus on you know, maintaining the behaviors and habits that you learned through a fat loss phase, but while also eating more calories. And that just sets you up for success so much later on whenever you're trying to diet again, or even if you're just maintaining where you're at, you know, as long as you can, like it's, it's just such an important thing. Um, especially if, if, uh, if just like mentally you feel like you're an impatient person and you're always looking to, to that next thing. And I think it's a good practice, um, just to be okay and be content with, with where you're at maintaining it before trying to change anything. And it also feels really good too. Like it feels good to feel fed and to, to have enough energy to work out and to have good quality sleep and to have functioning healthy hormones. Like it's it's such a good feeling to not just feel like you're waiting for your next meal or snack because you're deprived. And so many people discount how great of a phase maintenance is. <laughs> yeah. I think it's hard because, you know, like like we've talked about when we're so used to what's next, what's next, what's next and not being content. Most of us aren't used to like that feeling of being fully fed to work out and so that you can sleep better and all those other things that kind of fall into place when you're in maintenance. And I think a huge thing that 
I didn't ever realize before was that I had spent so much time dieting or, you know, thinking about being smaller and thinking about food that I didn't have a lot of mental energy to focus on other goals. It was Mm -hmm. like, that was the main focus. And when I spent significant time in maintenance, all of a sudden I could think about other things. My mind wasn't constantly being driven by like, what's my next meal? How am I going to make this fit? What, you know, whatever, um, it, it changed. And I think that that's a really, really cool aspect of maintenance too, but it's tricky to get people. I mean, it was tricky to get myself there. And I think it's tricky to get clients to, to learn how to feel okay in maintenance. And I do think a big part of that is figuring out how to celebrate along the way. Um, so that you're like noticing what's good instead of just focusing on what, what do I need to change? What needs to be different? What, what can I fix? You know? Yeah. And I think, I think it's also a great opportunity and a great time to focus on other things like performance goals or things like that, that are, they're still goal driven and, and they're trackable and like there's data that we can, we can track, um, but it doesn't have anything to do with like how much you weigh or like what your body fat level is. Um, it's good to get the focus somewhere else, especially during these times, because it, it'll give someone that ability to have something that they can track, to have something that they can be like, oh, I, I'm improving in this area and just setting different types of goals. They, they don't even have to be performance, but, um, but like you said, you do have so much more mental energy for other things when you aren't dieting. And, um, that's a great feeling. Like you're probably less irritable, like less moody, less hangry, like you're going to feel better in so many ways and just taking the focus off of what you look like and how much you weigh, um, can really, really be important. Like, I think it's just, like I said before, it's a great way to set yourself up for a really great dieting phase, not only because, um, your body is in a healthier place, but mentally too, like you, um, after, after a period of not being so bodily focused and weight focused, you probably will handle that stuff better in a cut later too where you're not so hung up on the scale all the time. And, um, and yeah, so. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about like, kind of how to approach the holidays, like different types of goals and things like that, that people can set for themselves over the next, you know, month and a half or so. Um, I did like one of the things that you were talking about, you know, lining things up with your values and like, maybe your value is to go to this holiday party and feel good and, be sociable, you know, so have interactions with people. Um, but so what, what do you recommend to clients as far as like the next month and a half or so of the year? So when it comes to, when it comes down to it, like in the grand scheme of things, we're looking at only a few actual holidays that we're having. And, you know, obviously some people have different amounts of dinners that they go to, or like a friend's giving situation. Maybe it's split between families. So you're going to like for every holiday, you're going to two or three different meals. And if that's the case, um, something that I like to tell my clients to do when they are at these um, dinners or meals or whatever they are, um, is to have just some like minimum goals that you want to stick to. So what that could look like is, you know, you're not tracking at all for the day, your macros or, or anything like that, but just having some minimum goals that you can shoot for. And that can look like, you know, you want to have protein at every meal. You want to make sure you're getting X amount of water minimum. You want to have two different vegetables that day or, or like one type of fruit, just having it to where you can go into the day, having these minimums that, you know, you can hit and you feel good about it and then let the cards fall where they may. Um, and then of course setting, like, ask yourself how you want to feel. This is something else I tell my clients to do too with social events, whether it's holidays or not, just like ask yourself, how do I want to feel after this dinner? Yep. Do I want to feel like I was eating slowly? Do I want to feel like I'm not overly stuffed? Do I want to feel satiated, but not too full? Um, Like let that guide your behavior. Cause if you go into it um, and you don't have anything guiding you at all, it's going to be a little bit easier to maybe not eat like you want to or overeat or anything like that. Um, another top, top, top recommendation is do not starve yourself before you go to the dinner. Yes. Still overeat guaranteed hundred percent. Like do not do that. No one likes feeling hangry anyway. Um, 
because that takes energy from you. You're not going to be as focused or present on the moment. You're just going to be thinking about what the heck you can shove into your mouth. Um, so do not recommend doing that at all. Um, if you want to maybe eat a little bit lighter, knowing that you are going to be having a more calorie dense meal, like that's fine. But also again, don't really, don't really, really restrict, try to get your, like front load your day with protein or something. Um, just so that, you know, you can have enough protein. You're, you're kind of not like ever having like an energy bonk during the day beforehand. Cause again, you just don't want to go into the event super, super hungry or else you will make emotionally based decisions that aren't going to make you very happy afterwards. So, so yeah, I think, I think my top suggestion for any social event or any untracked event and also the holidays is setting minimums. Um, because then you have some sort of guidelines that aren't super strict to follow, but they're at least related to what your goals are and they make you feel good knowing that you were able to hit them and also enjoy the dinner. Yeah. And I liked that those minimums that you set, they're minimums, but they were still specific. So there was still a way you could measure it, right? You're like X amount of water, two vegetables, you know, whatever, but it's still something that's specific. It's not just like, I want to eat vegetables today. Like how many vegetables, like, how are you going to measure it? How are you going to like, say like job well done at the end of the day, or like, Hey, what do I need to adjust so that I can be more successful next time? I think going into it with some type of intention is huge and will prevent you from being reactive afterwards. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Going in with a plan, even if it's like a you know, I would call that an easy plan. Like having those minimums can make you feel like you did something great that day. You know, you had a, you had a successful day if you hit those minimums for sure. Yeah. And I think, um, even sometimes like I was actually just having this conversation with a client and was like, how can we make the holidays less food focused? Like, what do you want to feel when you get, you know, done with this family dinner as far as connection with other people, are there certain people that you need to avoid? Or are there certain people that you like really want to make sure that you spend time with and having like your focus and your plan be more around like these social interactions rather than like, I'm going to bring my food scale and weigh everything that I'm eating or, you know, whatever it is um, that makes you feel more in control or maybe more rigid as far as nutrition goes. But like what other feelings do you want to have at the end of the event that have nothing to do with how you look or feel, you know, as far as like your body goes. Yeah. And you made a really good point too, talking about like other things other than food. And I think, I think there's a, there's a big reason why so many people think about food and are afraid of food during the holidays. And it's because everyone is just talking about it all the time, like holiday nutrition tips, like how to not gain 10 pounds this holiday season you know, what to focus on with your nutrition and, you know, take it back to mindset. The more you focus on something and the more that you're thinking about something, you're gonna like, that's what you're going to be focused on. And that's what you're going to be making like all of this mental drama about, like, we're all so food focused because that's all anyone talks about. And like, yeah, I talk about it too, because that's what the people want. But, but what if we talked about like how to, have more positive mental health this holiday season, how to connect with your family and friends over the holiday season, how to, um, how to play your favorite games over the holiday season with people that you enjoy playing games with. Like, I don't know, like it just sounds a lot more pleasant. And I think if we all just shifted the focus onto something else, the food wouldn't seem as daunting, but everyone goes into these things only thinking about the food and nothing else, which makes it harder. And I think if people just could understand that, you know, yes, food is a social thing. Food is connection. Food is so much more than just fuel, but there are other things that we can focus on at these events and that we can take away from when we're there and feel fulfilled from, um, like, just like we need to fill up our stomachs with food to feel energy. Like we also need to fill up our, our like social stomach and our, our like playtime stomach and like all of these things that can bring us joy and connection with people, um, to where we can be fulfilled because, you know, food isn't the only thing that is going to give us that, um, 
that fulfillment anyway. Yeah. So I think that was a good, a good thing to touch on. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea of like, you know, just giving the tips and tricks for the holidays that don't necessarily revolve around food. And yeah, like, I get it. Like, that's what the people want. Right. So you're like, they, they say, what should I eat when I go to these holiday meals? What should my focus be? And so you, you give the people what they want, but the truth of the matter is like shifting that focus a little bit, I think could be so beneficial for all of us because most of us ideally want to come away from those situations feeling like, you know, maybe you see family that you don't ordinarily see or whatever. So how do you like build and strengthen those relationships in this once or twice time of year, you know, instead of like, I'm so focused on food and what I look like and, you know, how, how I could approach this meal that you miss these opportunities to connect with people. So I loved, I loved the different stomachs, like your social stomach, your connection <laughs> stomach, whatever, yeah. you know, like filling yeah. up those other areas. Yeah. It's so, it's so true. And another thing too, I think, I think the biggest, I think the one thing that would help people feel great out like when they finish these dinners or whatever is just like feeling confident that they were in control it doesn't mean that they have to have the most perfect meal like I think the biggest thing is that people just want to feel like they can handle it and not feel like the food controlled them like they were in control of how much they ate they were mindful with it like they made decisions that were based in what their values are and um I was on a coaching call with my group coaching ladies on Sunday And we were talking, they were asking me about Thanksgiving and I made a joke. I was like, I want all of you to bring your food scale to Thanksgiving dinner. And like one girl was like, oh my God, I was like, I'm just kidding. Um, And I was telling them, I was like, I don't even like, I was like, I don't like when people say, you know, load up all with protein and, and only vegetables for your first plate, just so that you can get full. And then like, after that, go back for what you really want. I think that's terrible advice because you just get full off of the things that you really don't want that much of. And then you go back for more and then potentially eat even more of those things that you actually want. Like, why would you make yourself eat more calories just for the sake of the fact that you ate more protein and vegetables in the first plate? I don't know. Just me. I'm like, get a little bit of everything that you want and be mindful. Like one day is not going to break the bank. Like it's, it's okay two days, three days, even a week of doing that is not going to make or break anything. Um, Think about how many times you've been, you know, quote, perfect with everything for a week. Are you at your goal yet? No. And the, the same goes for the reverse. You can, you can be quote off of your plan for a week or two weeks, as long as you just get right back into things, you know, you're not going to see this like crazy decrease in whatever progress you are making. Are you going to be holding on to some water retention? Like, probably, but that's water. And that's another reason why it's important to not be so obsessed with the scale and the daily fluctuations. Cause at that point, we're just getting our head in the sand based on water. Like, are we really going to stress ourselves out that much about water? Like it's not body fat. Um, yes. If it happens over months and months at a time and you see a trend, like, yeah, you've probably gained some actual weight at that point. But when we're looking at the daily fluctuations, um, and things like that, we can't control that. Like a lot of it is just normal daily fluctuations that we have based on so many different variables. Um, but yeah, when it comes down to it, um, be mindful at Thanksgiving dinners and Christmas dinners or whatever holidays that you celebrate around this time. Um, and just know that, um, you know, most of this food is, is going to be around year round. You don't have to, um, have this like last supper mentality where you just go to town on it. Cause it's like, only Thanksgiving is this one day a year and blah, blah, blah. The reality is like, yeah, there are some things at Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever holiday that you might not get all the time year round. Um, and maybe for those things, you enjoy those more than the other things that you can have year round. Um, if we can just let go of this like scarcity mindset around it too, where we feel like it's only available now, I have to gorge on it. Um, I think people get that way with like Halloween candy too, where it's like, dude, you can literally buy a Snickers tomorrow. Like it's fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, okay to let yourself eat a Snickers yeah. more than just on Halloween if you yeah, want. Yeah, like, like it's fine. Like, yeah, but yeah. I think people restrict it all the time. And then when they get it, they get the first little hint of it. They're like, I have to have the whole box. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, I think I think the biggest thing here is like 
take your focus off of the food fully. Like it's some of the focus for sure, but think about some other things too. And then like ultimately being mindful at these dinners, um, eating slowly, chewing your food, don't eat too quickly. Um, put your fork down sometimes, you know, we could get really into the nitty gritty of like different mindful eating behaviors. Are people going to listen to them? Probably not all the time. I mean, we're kind of all distracted during these things. Um, but just remember like how you want to feel going into it. That alone should help so much with like how much you're eating and how quickly that you're eating it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so much of it with the food too, is about that nostalgia, right? You're like, Oh, when I was a kid, I loved, you know, this or whatever. It's like, maybe you don't even like all the foods on the table. You don't have to eat them all just because they're all there or just because, you know, your aunt always makes this green bean casserole or whatever it is. And you feel guilt. Like it's okay to say no to something that you don't like too. So yeah, I like that. Like focus on the feeling. How do you want to feel when you walk away from the dinner and, um, and then just kind of making your plans and intentions based on that instead of like, okay, it's the one time a year that I can eat whatever, like let yourself eat it more than once so that you don't have that restrictive mindset. You can make stuffing any time of year. You can make turkey whenever you want. I mean, it's at Kroger. Like you can literally make it. You're craving (laughs) some of it. Like, Hey, let's have Thanksgiving year round. Every day. Um, But now that we're talking about feelings, I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about the term feeling fat. Yeah. So how how do you want to um, get into this topic? Well, I mean, I guess we, you know, we kind of talked about, we're talking about these feelings with Thanksgiving dinner and whatever. And um, one of the things that you mentioned before is how most of the time when your client, you know, clients come to you and like what they're ultimately wanting is to feel confident, right? But that feeling of confidence is a little bit different for everyone. But you said one of the, you know, like someone wants to not feel their clothes, your their stomach hanging over their pants or, you know, whatever, when they sit down. Um, but you just had this really cool post the other day about like feeling fat. And you said like, stop saying I feel fat. Um, and so anyway, yeah. Do you want to just talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've said this before, my clients have said this before. I'm sure you have said this before where you're just like, Oh, I feel so fat today. Yeah. And, um, you know, fat is not a feeling. And I think that it's important to understand where that feeling is actually coming from. Like, what do you actually feel? And what tends to happen is, is that whenever we feel uncomfortable, we tend to use, I feel fat as like that filler word instead of like what we're actually feeling. Um, and you know, maybe it's not that you feel uncomfortable, but it's some other negative emotion, but I'll give you some examples. So like uncomfortable can mean so many different things. Like, are you feeling out of control? Are you feeling lazy? Are you feeling tired? defeated, less than, unattractive, physically full, bloated, lonely, frustrated, sad. Like the common denominator here is that none of those things are synonymous with having extra body fat on your body. But most people tend to use this phrase when they experience a negative feeling, when they have negative self-talk. And this can be a problem because you're not actually addressing like what you're really feeling. You're just putting the focus on your body And being mean to yourself for no reason, just because you feel a negative emotion. And this, the reason that this is so important is because sometimes this actually triggers people into wanting to lose weight or thinking that they need to go on a diet because they feel fat that one day. And with some people, they might notice like they start a diet and then like a week later, they're just like not able to sustain it. And it's because their body wasn't the problem in the first place. You know, like maybe you were just feeling unappreciated. You were feeling full and bloated that day. You were feeling upset that day because of something that happened at work or with your family or something like, and you were trying to change your body because of it. And your body's not the problem at all. And it's not going to get to the root of whatever you were feeling. And so like what I tell clients to do instead of this and what I tell anyone to do instead of this is just increasing your emotional awareness and then being accepting of that emotion. Like I'm someone personally where um, I'm very self-aware, but I'm I'm the type of self-aware person where I try to understand why I'm feeling something versus like actually letting myself feel it because it's uncomfortable for me. And so like I'll bottle things up and just try to be more like 
logical about it versus like actually feeling it. And so it's important to like accept, be accepting of what you're feeling, feel it without judgment, kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Observe it. Don't judge it. And just like, be curious about it. Like ask yourself why you think that you're feeling this, like, you know, where it's coming from. And something that I reference to as well is the, uh, it's like the emotions wheel. I don't know if you've ever seen it where it's like, there's like these big pillar emotions and then it like scatters off to something else. And I found it so helpful for myself too, because I'm like, sometimes I just don't feel good and I don't know why. And I'll look at that little wheel and I'm like, okay, am I angry? Am I frustrated? And then I'll like go off to like where it shows all the other different words. And I'm like, okay, maybe that's what I'm feeling. Like sometimes it's just hard to know what you're feeling, how to name it, whatever. But if, if we can get a little bit more curious, a little bit more observant about what we feel and where those things are coming from, um, it's, it's really helpful, not just because of the whole body thing, but just in general, it's great to be aware of that. Um, and then also it'll keep you from blaming your body for things that have nothing to do with your body. And, um, so yeah, I think, I think that emotional awareness is super important, um, not only in life, but just in our fitness and nutrition journeys as well. Yeah. I love that. Um, it makes me think about, uh, inside out. Have you ever seen that? I think I, is this a book or a movie? No, the Disney movie, the inside out where it's like all about the feelings and, and it's like in your brain. Um, is that a newer movie? Um, probably like within the last five ish years or so. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it, but now I'm curious. I want to see it. (laughs) It's interesting because it's, you know, it's kind of about this little girl and like, it's, it's her emotions that the movie's about really. So she's got joy. She's got anger, sadness, fear, and, um, is there one more? I can't remember anyway, but that's like those core emotions. Right. And as like, she's kind of coming up to teenage years, her pillars start to fall apart. Like her world starts to change. She moves and that causes some different emotions. And, um, anyway, it's really cool, but it just made me think about like, yeah, we do tend to kind of narrowly focus on small emotions and they, we are so much more complex than that. And something that you said that I really liked was, um, when, you know, going back to this, like, I feel fat. And it just made me think about like maybe a time for myself where I'm thinking like, yeah, I, I say to myself, oh, I feel fat. And it was like, oh, because I ate so much and I feel uncomfortable. I was emotionally eating. So I overate and I felt out of control. I wasn't in control. That's actually what was going on there. It wasn't about my body, but we make it be about our body. So anyway, I just, I loved, I loved the way that you, um, like painted that picture for me. Like it just made it like this big aha in my head of like times when I've said to myself, I feel that or whatever. And it's like, if you just take it a little bit deeper, if you're willing to have some of that emotional awareness and explore a little bit deeper, like what was it actually, instead of just making it about your body mm-hmm. and shaming yourself and beating yourself up. And like, yeah, like you said, just being mean to yourself for no reason. Yeah. You know? and, I, and I think when you can like actually get to the root of what you felt, it gives you the chance to like be more compassionate with yourself because you are understanding what it was from and you're, and you're not just like being, you know, blaming your body. And it gives us the ability to be a little bit more compassionate because we're not just like playing the blame game for our bodies that had nothing to do with it in the first place. And then also too, like you mentioned feeling like bloated. So like if you've ever overeaten and you felt bloated, like, you know what that feels like. And I think something else that people get, you know, confused with, or, um, they will think that like bloating or feeling full is like, it, it'll kind of sometimes trigger in certain people like weight gain and like fat, body fat, but like bloat and fullness, those are both normal things that happen, you know, depending on how we eat. If we eat normally, we eat a normal balanced meal. We're going to feel at some point somewhat full and that's not bad like i think people just so because people are so used to restricting themselves and you know under eating with their meals like to them they've never really ever experienced actual fullness because they're always trying to like undershoot what their what their actual meals should look like <laughs> um so fullness is not this bad 
thing. It's like a normal feeling. Bloating is normal. Now, if it's like extreme painful and like all of this other stuff, like, no, maybe go see a doctor. Um, but bloating is something that can happen too. And it doesn't even always have to happen based on what we eat. We can bloat from stress. We can bloat from like how we eat something. If you eat too quickly and you don't chew your food and you're distracted, like you might not digest that meal as well. You might feel a little bloated. Um, but all of those things are just like, you know, how our body does things sometimes. It's not this thing that we need to judge like, oh, I feel bloated. So I'm, I'm fat or I'm bad. Like, no, like your body, you know, it's just doing its thing. And I think if we can just let that happen and not judge it and not think like, oh, I must be gaining weight because my stomach feels full. Like, no, maybe you just like actually ate a meal. Like it's fine. It's normal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Like removing the judgment from it and stop making it be about your body. And just like, even going into that curiosity instead, like, Oh, I feel bloated. What did I eat that made me feel super bloated so that maybe in the future I can be like, Oh, I was like just inhaling my food. I need to like slow down and drink some water, you know, whatever. But just being able to remove the judgment and go to curiosity instead. I really, really like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And also too remembering that feelings are not facts. Feelings, we have the ability to like have a feeling come and just let it go. Like how, I mean, come on, be realistic. How many times have like, has anyone ever thought of something that was like absolutely asinine that we don't do like any sort of intrusive, random, weird thought, you know, like, I really want to throw this plate against the wall because I'm just, I really want to let some of that anger out. Like, do we actually do that? No. Like, you know, we've all had weird thoughts before and we've all had weird feelings before, but we don't have to, we don't have to give them the attention, you know, like we don't have to hyper-focus on them. We can let them pass. We can be observant. We can be like, oh, that was a weird that was a weird thought. And then just like, okay, whatever, just move on with your day. Um, but I think, but I think with anything kind of like how I mentioned with all or nothing, we tend to focus more on the thoughts and the feelings that have to do with our bodies and with those sort of goals, because for some reason they are just, um, I guess, because people tend to think that they can control their bodies a little bit more. We tend to focus on those thoughts and feelings a little bit more than others. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. I hope some, it just barely said my internet connection is unstable. So I hope it didn't completely cut off everything that you said, cause I lost sound for a little bit. So I don't know what it's going to pick up on the recording. We'll figure it out. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I think that that's just an important part of learning how to be more emotionally mature is letting those feelings kind of come and go. And yeah, maybe sometimes you do need to like pause for a minute and be like, oh, what, you know, what was that? Where'd it come from? Do I need to do something with it or do I just need to like let it come and go? Right. Like, is this like, is this coming from somewhere else? Like, am I, do I need something? in another area of my life that I'm not like giving the attention to. And then again, you know, just like being curious about it. Like we don't have to put a name on it and say that this is good or bad. Like just be curious. And, um, and I think that usually leads you to figuring out like what you need to do at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. All right. Well, let's wrap things up. Are there any like tips or tricks that you want to share that we haven't already talked about in the realm of setting goals or nutrition or, you know, whatever that you kind of want to leave people with? I think we, I think we went pretty deep. I feel like we, I feel like I don't need to say anything else. I feel like we really covered a good chunk. I think people will be able to take so much from this episode. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think we got it. I agree. I feel like it was, it was, good. It was really well-rounded. So yeah, I think, I think we just, yeah, they'll gain so much, so much information and hopefully applicable things that they can do. Not just like, you know, consuming information, learning, it's one thing, but like, I hope that there were some things that you can like tangibly do after listening to this, especially with goal setting. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, anything else you want to say? Any last words? Um, I guess, you know, if you want to follow me or listen to my podcast, um, my podcast is the Wellness Diaries podcast with Ashley Hubbard. 
And then my, um, my Instagram is my full name, Ashley Marie Hubbard. Um, and I'm sure you will put all of this in the show notes. You can send me your information as well for mine. Um, but then also a hub nutrition is my coaching company. So if you want to follow me anywhere, I'm, you know, you can find me on any of those platforms. Um, but this was, this was a fun one. And Annie, you can say, tell, tell everyone on my podcast where they can find you. Yeah. So it's rethinking fitness with Annie on Instagram. So at rethinking fitness with Annie. And then, um, that's the name of my podcast as well as rethinking fitness with Annie podcast. So yeah, we'll link those up in show notes and people can find us. So awesome. Awesome. Well, we will see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks. Okay. I'm going to stop.